Let's all join together and pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you are our rock, you are our redeemer. Amen. So when I was first thinking about people in the Bible to help us see what a restart might look like, I can say that I knew there were some that were going to be in there. I went back to my Sunday school lessons and my Sunday school days, right? It was obvious. Good people for this would be people like Adam and Eve. People like Jacob and his family issues. The story of Jericho, where the walls came tumbling down, but the one family, Rahab, and her family choices. I thought back to David and his mistakes and that story last week we had about the lamb that got taken away and how David realized his mistakes. But as I thought a little bit more about this series and I read a little bit more in the Bible, I realized pretty quick this series was going to have one really big issue. There are way, way too many in the Bible that are people who need a restart. It's not just like one or two people in a little section and then everybody else kind of looks like they're okay. No, this, this thing is like an everybody, everywhere kind of thing. If there's a person in the Bible that gets more than like two lines of attention, you see that they have something really bad to come back from, that they have made awful mistakes in their life, that they need a restart. But I know that you don't want it and I don't want it that this would be a worship series that would last from like four weeks ago for the next five years after this. So I decided we were going to pick some of the highlights back to the Sunday school people that I knew. Adam and Eve, who made this mistake that just blew up our world and brought sin and messed everything up. Jacob, whose identity was someone who tried to control things on his own to someone who wrestled with God and trusted in God. Rahab, who actually made the right choice to trust in the Lord and be part of the Lord's family. David, who made this awful mistake, and then David who admitted he was wrong. Every person that we've gone through has been a person that hopefully gives you a little bit of perspective on your own life. People that you can see little by little bits of you in them and what they did and their choices so that you can understand yourself a little bit better. Our last restart today, I got to admit, it's a stretch. You and I are not the Apostle Paul. God didn't work through you to write a large part of the New Testament, the Bible. If you have been on a mission trip, you went on that trip, it ended, you came back home, you are home now. And I'm guessing you haven't gone to cities and talked about Jesus with people and then had the entire city come after you and try to kill you and drive you out of the city for talking about Jesus. That, that probably hasn't happened to anybody here, right? But I promise you that even though nobody here is like Paul, I promise you that you are going to like learning about Paul and his life details and what his restart looked like. Here's the first thing. Paul wasn't always Paul. 
he was not always this worldwide missionary who went boldly to these foreign cities and then nothing could stand in his way. He was going to tell people about Jesus, kind of Paul. No. He had lived a full life as Saul. The Jesus-hating, Christian-chasing, top-of-the-top, self-righteous religious fanatic who is completely against all this. In Acts 26, what we get is this decades later story where Paul goes back to tell us who he was and what he did do. Because God wants people to know how he became Paul. In this passionate defense of Jesus and what Jesus can do, he starts out with, this is who he was, and the details are just crazy. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Saul started local. He had grown up around the area of Jerusalem, and that's where he got all of his teaching and learning about the Old Testament. And when he was finished with his teaching and learning, he was going to put his faith into action. So he did. He got those people put into jail. If he had the option, he would vote for them to die every single time. It kind of sounds like forced confessions were Paul's favorite, his specialty. And then we hear that local wasn't enough for Saul. He was so obsessed with this that he was going to spend time and money and effort to travel by foot through mountains and deserts from country to country to do anything he could to get rid of Christians. This is who Saul was. Now you might think, uh, hearing the details, that an appropriate response might be something like uh, an old daytime talk TV kind of strategy, and uh, really it turned into a show. Anybody here know the show Scared Straight? Yeah? couple of you, maybe? Yeah? Cleveland, you got it. Thank you. I'm glad at least one person knows this. So the premise of this idea was that there are some people, especially kids, who are kind of past saving in the normal ways of saving people. They're going down bad paths. So what they do is they take these kids, they put them into like a prison full of like hardcore people that did some pretty awful things, convicted people, and they send them into this prison and the prisoners come and they get all in their face and they tell them, you don't want to make these choices. You don't want to do these things. This is not the path that you want to go down at all. And I think we can admit it's kind of a bad strategy because what happens with the kids? It doesn't take too long and they break down and they are terrified and they are weeping and they're just scarred by this interaction that maybe this pushes them to a different path, one where it's not a life of crime and awful things going on. This is scared straight. You would think that this is what Paul is trying to do for you and me as he's describing himself and his life, saying, don't do that. Don't go down that path. But that's not what Paul's doing for us here. This isn't him warning you so you don't do what he did. This is just him telling you about his life as Saul 
and that he did all of this with conviction, with his whole heart, that what he was doing to him at that time was absolutely right, that there was no other choice for him in what he was going to do. He fully believed that fighting Jesus and Jesus' followers was the only right thing to do and that he had done it really well. That admission, I think, is exactly what you and I just do really poorly at. When we've got the mistakes and the failures that are in our past, we want the distance of time between us and those things to get bigger and bigger so that we feel a little bit more separated from those mistakes. If there are people that knew us when we did those things, it's okay to let those relationships fade away in the past because those are the people that knew those mistakes. And now new people that we meet, new relationships, they won't know those things, so we can kind of cover it up. Maybe we have or we are trying to have this perfect view of ourselves and our lives and what we say and think and do so that we can go to bed at night feeling like we've done what we should do. There's this mess of sin thing in our lives that feels a little bit too shocking for us to deal with and to talk about. So we push it down. We leave it in the past. We try to cover over and hide from it. But this is why Saul to Paul is so cool because God's not going to let your failures and faults and mistakes stay hidden. No, God faces issues face to face. And Saul is one of these issues at this point. So, on one of these journeys, Saul says, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Face to face with the man trying his hardest to kill Christians and Christianity, Jesus shines light into Saul's life. It was light that absolutely revealed that Saul was right. There was a higher power. This bright light stopped him in his tracks, sent him to the ground, gave him an opportunity to rethink everything that had happened before. And then the voice behind the light encouraged him to see what he'd been doing the whole time. This moment, face to face with the light, changes everything for Saul. And this is where Saul's story is your story, and it is my story. It's every believer's story who's ever lived in the past and ever will live after this because this story is about God and God's work in people. God will not leave you in the darkness of mistakes and failures and a dark past. He's not going to let you stay hidden under these painful cover-ups and deliberate ignorance that we try to give ourselves. No, God brings out all of your sins into the light where he can see absolutely everything. 
so that then when you're face to face with Jesus, he can tell you face to face, you are forgiven. That he took the punishment that you deserved for all of those things, that those mistakes and failures don't have to be suppressed and pushed down and locked away because in him, Jesus reveals they're gone. You and I have a God that drags us out of darkness and who gives us a new life in his light that's full of grace and love and peace because Jesus has forgiven all of it. No hiding needed. No more ignoring. This is who you are now. Forgiven and loved is just who you are because God brings you face to face with his light. Isn't it amazing? Jesus' light turned this sinner Saul into the perfected Paul simply by faith. God works and wants us to trust in the light of forgiveness of Jesus because from that moment on, this is now the life of Saul and the work of Paul. He told him, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Never alone in this mission, God reveals a little more that's why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me, but God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and is the first to rise from the dead, would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Never alone from that moment on, what had been there all along? Paul had learned in his religious training before this had been pointing him to Jesus. Now he got to see that reality. I think the before and after of Saul to Paul is absolutely nuts and crazy. I think it's the kind of before and after thing that advertisers today would just drool over. You know what I'm talking about, right? You've seen the pictures. One of my favorites before and after is a guy whose name is Ethan Supley. Now, you probably, most of you know him at least as Louis from Remember the Titans. You remember him, right? Dancing, singing, bringing joy to the team, kind of bringing everybody together. Big dude. And now, now he's the guy on the right. Now he's Ethan, the slim down, just built, super strong guy that now people interview and ask, how do you go from this to be that? Help me do that kind of thing too. Pretty awesome transition, right? This is the kind of thing I think people in our world, we love where we can see, I can go from this to become that. And I think sometimes we get caught up in this sort of feeling that in our restarts, in our lives, that maybe we can really have the dramatic before and after. We want this kind of change going on. 
we want the picture perfect person and we want it right now but I think you've learned from all these people that's not necessarily how a restart works. Saul did become Paul when he met Jesus, but do you think he had some guilt issues to work through from what he did before in life? Don't you wonder how much time he spent thinking about his past and what he did? I mean, you heard how he obeyed and went and started sharing his story so people might know Jesus, but Saul to Paul was absolutely a process. Day by day, as Paul suffered, he learned more about Jesus. City after city that did try to kill him, Saul learned that his words didn't have the power to do anything. This whole story comes near the very end of his life, when his life looks bad, when he is going to die for sharing Jesus. The before and after God shows us it was this lifelong transition. And that's why Paul kept sharing his story. Because he wanted people like you and me to have the details of when it started and then the repeated struggles and issues and problems that just forced him to trust in Jesus more and more and more. Forgiveness is certain and solid right now, but the practicals of your restart and my restart are going to take some time. It's going to be a day-by-day thing in the good news of Jesus. It's the reason why we here at Ascension want to live life together and support and encourage each other. It's why we share these ongoing daily restarts, because we want God to work in us. And maybe the coolest thing of all, like what Paul is doing here, we can be open with the people around us, maybe in this room, maybe in our lives, who have no connection to Christianity whatsoever right now. We can let them see what a life of restarts looks like when we're connected to Jesus. God can work through us and reveal the blessings of what a life connected to him does. And here's why you're like, Paul, how you and I are like all the other people that we've talked about, every single believer that's ever lived, restarts are never going to be about you and how great you're doing and what you're about. Restarts are all about God and what God has done best, which is forgiveness for us in Jesus. Amen.